0: brilliant okay well i'm sorry if you're visiting well i'm i'm glad if you're visiting but i'm sorry that you've missed out on the rest of the series we've been doing we've been doing a series through 1 corinthians and we've been looking particularly recently at uh, spiritual gifts and we've almost come to the end of our series because we're now in chapter 14 and uh, we we're looking we're looking at the practice of spiritual gifts uh, the, and uh, so we're looking at the order that Paul requires us to have in their use. And last time we looked at the theory behind the practice, which is in verses 1 to 24, where Paul, if you remember, lays down three requirements for the use of spiritual gifts. He says if you're going to use spiritual gifts, they've got to edify people, they've got to build them up. That's one of the key things, that there should be clarity for people. People should be able to understand what you're saying. There should be a clarity about that. And thirdly, that there is understanding for the mind. You don't just leave your brain outside when you come to church. It's actually okay to think and to evaluate and to decide whether, well, does that fit in with Scripture and so on. So we looked at that last time. This week I want to look at the more practical side of 1 Corinthians 14, and we're going to look at verses 26-26 which is in 26 to 40 but we're going to work through the passage and we probably will only get as far as well we will only get as far as verse 33 today and uh, and I want to do, I want to do it like this I want to comment on some of the things that Paul says and I want to pull out some of the practical details and then I want to bring some practical application for us here as a church at jubilee because I also want to use this opportunity to talk very practically about our own church and how we practice spiritual gifts. Okay, so uh, it's going to be a lot of practical stuff. For those who like practical stuff, there's going to be a lot of that today. And next week, I we want to finish the series with a big jamboree, and uh, we're going to have some activation. So we're going to pray for some people and that kind of thing. Although we'll see what happens today. I've got a sense of expectation of what God wants to do today. Okay, so let's just pray and commit this to God because we want him to turn up, don't we, as we talk about these subjects. So Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. You're in charge of this church, and you're in charge of this message. So come and have your way amongst us. Lord, would you just come and open our understanding? Would you give us such clarity? Would you give us excitement even as we talk about ministering to one another and blessing the church and building it up? We pray for that, Jesus. We pray for fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit to come on us today. And Lord, would you send some fire amongst us to warm us up a bit as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what Paul does here in this section is to deal with the orderly use of tongues and prophecy within the context of church worship, but he proceeds his teaching in expressing some very clear expectations for how a typical church meeting should go. So in verse 26, he says this. He said, What shall we say then, brothers, when you come together as a church that everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation? All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. This is... Paul's expectation as the church comes together, and I I came up with this great phrase that I read in a commentary, where it described this verse as orderly spontaneity. That's what Paul is expecting, orderly spontaneity, where everyone has a part to play, which is what we're going for here at Jubilee, okay? That's what we're going for, just in case you didn't know, Everyone has a contribution to make. And I often think about it as being invited to a church meal uh, where everybody brings something to share. That's the kind of picture that we've got here, that as we come together, we all bring something. It doesn't matter if you bring something small or you bring something big. Actually, it all adds to the flavor and the enjoyment of the meal. Every little bit is necessary to make that meal. So the expectation, then, is that in any gathering of the church, the Holy Spirit will be dynamically present. That means he'll be visible, he'll be touching people. I love the description that, that Steve used a month or so ago. He talked about the dancing hand of God being present in the Holy Spirit amongst us. The Holy Spirit being dynamically present, in equipping and inspiring different individuals to use their gifts to serve others, just as he determines at any given time. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. just as he determines. So I don't think that Paul is saying everyone has means that when we come together, literally everybody's got a song, everybody's got a tongue. I mean, can you imagine the chaos if everybody had uh, gifts to bring and they all wanted to bring them at the same time? Maybe that's something of what was going on at Corinth, but we don't seem to be struggling with that one yet. Now who knows? But I don't think actually that's what it means. I think that what Paul is saying, that everybody potentially can or potentially has things that they can bring. All of us can potentially be used by the Holy Spirit. All of us can. I mean, did you know Did you know that you've got incredible potential? Did you know that you've got, as a Spirit-filled Christian... You've got incredible potential. You've got incredible potential that God can use you. Did you know that God can use you? Say that to yourself. God can use me. That doesn't sound very convincing. God can use me. Brilliant. A little better. But God can use you to serve others. And the fact is, is that people's lives can be radically changed because you pray a prayer. Because you bring a prophecy because you bring a word of encouragement in the context of a church meeting. That's fantastic to think about that. All I did was step out in faith, and I just said that thing, and I was shaking in my boots, but it's changed somebody's life. It's just wonderful, isn't it, to think that there is that potential amongst us. All of us can be used by the Holy Spirit. The determining factor, I think, is our willingness to be used by Him. Some people think, well, it's because I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not holy enough, I haven't spent enough time in prayer. I mean, those things can affect it, but actually, fundamentally, it's whether we're available or not for God to use us. Because sometimes, the reality is, is that we're just not available, are we? I mean, we all do this. I know that when I go to meetings sometimes with other leaders, uh, or in a bigger context, I'll sometimes put up unconsciously, perhaps, the sign, Not Here. You know, the Holy Spirit's moving amongst us. No, I'm not here. Just keep quiet at the background. It's partly because I'm glad I don't have to bring something, but it's also because I don't feel like it sometimes. I would rather the Holy Spirit used somebody else, anybody else. Anybody? Anybody ever think like that, or is it just me? Come on, make me feel better. Do you feel like that sometimes? I'm not here today. I'm just sitting here. I'm just here in the meeting, but I'm not here. Don't use me, please. Use somebody else. We all do it. And, you know, sometimes I'll see that there are people amongst us who've got the not here sign-up. So rather sneakily, I'll go along and gently just say, got anything? It's God speaking to you. Because I can sense that the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door saying, please, I want to use you. Are you listening? And it's amazing how many times people say, I didn't know I had something until you said. Uh, Or, thank you, it helped me to step out. I think that's part of our role here as elders, to encourage you to step out. That's part of what elders are for, pastor teachers, if you like, is to is to encourage the church, is to equip the church to serve one another. So permission to do that more, is that okay? Because I want to encourage some of you to contribute. And I know I, I quite often do that just before a meeting. say, look, I want you to feel free today just to bring something. Just be open to the Spirit and what God's going to say through you. You see, Paul doesn't envisage a church where everything is front-lad or it's based around the gifts of just one or two people. No, he envisages a church where everybody has a song. Everybody's got a passage from the Bible. Everybody's got a word from God for somebody. Wasn't it great to have two words today, for somebody here? I think that's wonderful. I want to encourage you all to continue and to increase in this spirit of orderly spontaneity. And we are committed to this, even as we grow bigger, for there to be many contributions making every Sunday a feast day. Wouldn't that be great to just go out so encouraged? I've just been so blessed this morning because people have moved out in their spiritual gifts. Are you up for that, church? Yeah? Well, I'm going to pray for us now. Just stand. I just feel to pray for us. So, Holy Spirit, we're up for this. Lord, we want to be those that are radical in orderly spontaneity. Lord, we are available to you as a people. Will you come and speak through us? Will you come and encourage through us? Will you come and heal through us? Holy Spirit, I ask you for fresh anointing right now. In the name of Jesus, right across this room, I don't, whatever you felt like as you came in the door, I just pray that, that there would be faith rising up freshly in your heart as I say these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you then, um, when you came today to the meeting, just be honest with me. How many of you came with a song going around your mind? It was just a song in your head. Yeah, what, what was the song you had? Did we sing it at all? I will give you all my worship. Anybody else have a song, just as you came in? Just a song going around your mind? Or maybe a psalm that was in your mind? See, Darren was actually going to do that song. Yeah i will give you all my worship i just want to encourage you guys when we come together we have songs we carry songs okay well what about prophecy did, did anybody have something that god was speaking to me might have just been a line or a word just something very simple very short as you came in as we gathered together is there anybody who had something you just felt i didn't bring it but i just felt like god was putting something on my heart yeah, some Fran. what did what were you feeling The blues, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So does that encourage anybody here? Did you hear that? Sorry yeah yes, a few people here that spoke to. Anybody else have something as you come this morning? Yeah, John, just brief if you don't mind, sorry, just brief if you don't mind. sorry mm. wow. A radical change life. Does that speak to anybody? Just encourage you this morning. Who were you encouraged by the prophetic words I already brought this morning? I just spoke to you. Just encourage you, because that's what it's about, you see. And I just wanted to demonstrate that there were a number of people here who didn't bring contributions, but they had stuff. That's okay. It's not a condemnation fest. It's just when we come together, these things are already there. They're in our hearts. That God is already speaking to us. God can use all of us, at any time. And Paul says that all these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. And we want a strong church, don't we? So all these things must be done. And then he goes on to talk about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. So let's just look at those things. And this is, again, I'm going to go through the passage and then I'm going to bring some application to us and it's going to be quite practical. But let's just look at verses 27 and 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. So Paul encourages the use of tongues in an orderly way, two or three in a row, and then they must be interpreted. Otherwise, as we know from last week, they won't edify the church uh because people won't understand what's being said and it will lead visitors especially to think that we're a bit crazy and we don't want that we'd rather them get to know us first and find out that we are so if there is no in- interpreter paul says it's best for the speaker to stop using their gifts publicly and pray to god quietly not because your tongue is wrong uh oh I brought a tongue and nobody interpreted it. must mean it's wrong uh, and that you better keep quiet because you're under some kind of discipline. That's kind of what I was taught when I was first into the things of the Spirit. You know, it's kind of a discipline. You keep quiet. That was a wrong tongue, crumbs. You know, but but it's simply because interpreted tongues don't, ch- tongues that aren't interpreted don't build up the church. So Paul says, don't do it because it's not very edifying. That's all he's saying. So it's best that you don't use that gift publicly if there's nobody around to interpret, but just use it privately. That's all you're saying, okay? So I want to release some people here uh, today from the fear of not bringing a tongue just in case it's not interpreted or it's wrong, okay? I just want to release you from that. There's space, there's grace, uh, there's opportunity to just step out and see what God does here at Jubilee, okay? So when Paul is, what Paul is dealing here with here, if you remember, is the Corinthian tendency for uncontrollable ecstasies in the use of the gift of tongues. Has anybody had a problem with that in the past? Um, I can't say I ever have. I don't know many people in England uh, that have had that problem. But there you go if you have that problem it's in the bible here and it tells you what you need to do about it but paul says that we can all exercise self-control in using this gift and be considerate to the people that are around us and so he says that people who are speaking in tongues speaking out publicly should do so one at a time not all at the same time and some people have taken this to mean that it's wrong therefore uh, to have corporate singing or speaking in tongues, uh, that that's forbidden. It's not on, because Paul says you've got to do it one at a time. My personal view is that there should indeed be caution, or at least consideration of others, especially people that are not Christians, but there's no rule against everybody speaking out in tongues together. And so it's our practice in Jubilee to help people who are perhaps visiting, not used to the way that we worship, that we will bring some kind of explanation of the gift of tongues, why it's used and uh, and how it's to be interpreted, how we deal with interpretation. So don't hold back on speaking in tongues if there are non-Christians around, but just be thoughtful perhaps about how you do that and perhaps give explanations and we'll try to do that wherever we can as well. Because as Paul says in verse 22 tongues are a sign for unbelievers. Now, there's a whole load of stuff in that verse, which I'm not going to go into now, but just get that. Tongues are a sign for unbelievers, but they do need to be interpreted. Years ago, and some of you have heard this before, I'm sorry, but uh, years ago I was in Christian Union and I illegally spoke in tongues. I didn't mean to, I was trying not to, but for some reason it just came out. And uh, somebody was sitting next to me, and they turned and they looked at me. I thought, oh no, I'm really, I'm really upset this poor lady. probably led her astray, and she's not even a Christian. Actually, she was Jewish in our Christian union. And she said to me, I didn't know you spoke Hebrew. And I said, I didn't either. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> and then she translated what I just said, and it was just Beautiful. I can't pray prayers like that, but she understood what I'd said. And through that experience, through hearing that, she became convinced that Jesus was real, and then she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Helen Rogers, go for it, Helen. Wonderful girl. Praise God, eh? So tongues are a sign for unbelievers, and we don't always understand what that means. But there's one that was a sign to her. And it's rare that tongues are ever brought in threes or without interpretation normally it's because we're so well taught that we know that after a tongue is brought everybody goes politely quiet and we wait in that awkward moment for the interpretation we think who's gonna do it it's not gonna be me it's gonna be Steve or it's gonna be Rob it's their job One of these days, I'm just going to refuse to do it. Are you, Steve? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Darren, yeah, or Darren, maybe. Yep. Okay, let's move on. Um, So we, we, we have a pause, but actually this isn't necessary to do. If you consider what Paul says, it seems to me that there could be a lot more that we could be pressing into. Because what you're saying here is we're free to bring another tongue after a tongue has been brought. So there's this thing about multiple tongues and interpretations. And so I want to say that there's room for multiple interpretations for a message as well, or a series of messages in tongues. Because there are often several languages used in a tongue that need to be interpreted, not just the one. I don't know, if you just listen with your plain old English ear, you can hear that there are different sounding languages, even within the context of one tongue. And you'll remember we had a living example of this last year when Steve brought a tongue and we had an Asian lady amongst us who understood the message in two of her native languages. And so I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Because actually I interpreted that tongue and I only brought one thing and I reckon there was probably, she said, you didn't get the whole thing. I said, no, I don't think I did. There should have been another interpretation as well. And this is already happening actually in the church because a few weeks ago I brought an interpretation to a tongue and then Sarah Firmage spoke to me afterwards and she said, Do you know Rob, I had another interpretation. It was similar but not the same. I said, well you should have brought it. That's absolutely fine to bring it. I encourage you to bring it. I think she spoke to Steve about it as well afterwards. So I just want to encourage you, loosen up on this a bit. We can bring more tongues. We don't always have to grind to a halt. We can go with the Spirit, see what God's doing, and let's just be open to what the Spirit's doing. If you really do get overly carried away with it, then I'm sure that Steve or I will step in and just say, hold on a minute, we really ought to interpret it now, okay. But let's just be free to follow what the Spirit is doing amongst us. I also want to release you in this from the fear of... Uh, I don't know quite how to put this, but this is the best way I could put it. I don't know if you've ever had this, but if somebody brings... There have been occasions where there's been an interpretation, and then somebody else brings an interpretation, where they think, oh, well, I got it wrong then. Especially if it's an elder that brought the second interpretation, they're just bringing a line of correction in there. <laughs> now, I just want to release you from that. That's not what this is about. The fact of the matter is the Bible says that we prophesy in part, we see in part, we hear in part, so why don't we always think we get the whole? And I think it requires the whole body working together, even in this. And it's the same with prophecy. We'll come on to that in a minute. Okay, so I want to just release you from that fear, uh, and thinking that the first one was wrong or is inadequate, and I want to encourage people to pray for the gift of interpretation. Will you do that? Will you pray? for the gift of interpretation. When a tongue is brought, will you pray with us and say, God, please bring the gift of interpretation. Don't use Rob or Steve this time or Darren. Just use somebody else. How about using me, Lord, in the gift of interpretation? Another point, uh, sorry, it's a whole collection of thoughts, really, today. I hope that's okay. I know I'm normally so structured, but there's just lots of thoughts I want to bring to you today. Another thing about interpretation. I just want to talk about the kind of interpretation that we would expect to be brought, because there has been some confusion about this. In some charismatic churches, you find that people will tend to prophesy, following a tongue have you ever heard that or seen that people tend to prophesy after a tongue instead of bring an interpretation um now in my view uh, and the view of several other people that are better than me so it must be right um in my view the Bible's quite clear from several places that a message in tongues is spoken to god not from god so paul says in this chapter for example verses two and three For if anyone speaks in a tongue, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Okay, he goes on just in case it's not clear enough. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So that's pretty clear as well. So tongues is speaking to not to men, not to men but to God. Prophecies speaking to men not to God, God to man. So we would expect an interpretation to be one which is in the form of a prayer or declaring praises to God as was heard on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. You can read it there. They heard the people, heard people, the the apostles speaking in their own languages, praises, declaring the praises and the wonders of God. That's in Acts chapter 2. Although, say all that, But prophecy often follows tongues. don't know if you've noticed that. There's something about the supernatural gift of tongues which does seem to bring a spirit of prophecy upon the church. I think that's perhaps why sometimes people get confused, thinking it's time to prophesy when there's got to be an interpretation. And so when a tongue is brought, often there's a revelation that comes on the church, a kind of spirit of revelation And that's the time to start prophesying. Be aware of that, be open to it. God often will speak to the church after somebody has spoken to him through the gift of tongues. So let's just talk then about the orderly use of prophecy. Are you following me? You're keeping up? Is Is this all right? Nobody falling asleep or anything? Okay, orderly use of prophecy. Let's read verses 29 to 33, which should come up on the screen for you. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, because they would all stand up to bring the contributions, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace." But, so first of all, just to pick some things out from what Paul says, first of all, we have his order, only two or three speakers, and then weigh what has been said. Think about it. That means discern what God is saying. Check it, if you like, by Scripture. Also in v- verse 30, Paul seems to be saying that he doesn't want one or two people dominating the gift. You know, if somebody else has got a revelation, I want you to sit down and let somebody else have a turn. Don't dominate. Don't dominate the gift. Uh, He's requiring a humble spirit which gives way and prefers others, allowing contributions to flow through the whole body. You know, we talked a lot about the body, the body ministry, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I don't know when. But it's a really strong metaphor that Paul uses when he talks about spiritual gifts. And what he says is that the whole body is involved in ministry. The whole body is involved. So he doesn't want just one or two loud mouths dominating the show. He wants the contributions to flow through the whole body. He wants people to take turns in prophesying. I think that's beautiful, don't you? Isn't that wonderful? Every one of us can prophesy. We can all take turns. And he tells us that contrary to how it can feel sometimes when you have a prophecy to bring, that we won't burst if we don't bring it. Have you ever felt like you're going to burst? If I don't bring this, I'm going to explode or something awful's going to happen. There's people around, they're going to get hurt. That You get that feeling that the fire is burning in you so much, I'm going to be consumed. I've got kind of to... like that. My dad used to say to me when I first started moving out in prophecy, he says, it's like you're a bottle of lemonade being shaken up, for goodness sake, will you let the bubbles go down so we can hear the drink? Which is a really quiet, kind of cruel thing to say, I think, but... Very accurate. But we won't burst if we don't bring it. And God won't allow the church to miss out or condemn you for your disobedience in not bringing it. Anybody? Oh, come on. Anybody? <laughs> Have you ever felt condemned and the church is going to miss out and God's going to, God's going to get me because I haven't brought the prophetic word. And if the church, you could share it in life group if you wanted to. Yeah. But the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You are permitted to exercise self-control or even decide, how about this, I don't think I'm going to bring this at the moment and allow somebody else to bring it instead. Preferring others. Or even bring it at a later date. I often find that I'm carrying a word around for a period of time, even years if you speak to people like Ginny Burgeon, she carries them for decades. I'm not patient enough for that. But years. And then there comes a point where God just says, right now, now's the time. And there's been times when I've got that wrong and I've jumped the gun as well. But it's okay to say, I don't think I'm going to share that now. It just doesn't feel the right time. Now, I spoke quite a lot about prophecy last year, so I'm not going to go into lots of detail, but you can hear the talks on the web. But just to say again, because I think this is really important, is that the New Testament gift of prophecy, with that gift, it's quite wrong to think that we're some kind of channels for God to speak through, like we're some kind of Christian mediums. You know, we don't channel God's words. That's Eastern mysticism, that thinks that way, and it's slipped into the church in places. God, We don't channel God's words. He uses us. And I think that's even more wonderful. He uses us. He uses our language. He uses our voices. He uses even our personality or our own particular style and creativity when we prophesy. Be yourself when you prophesy. It's quite okay to be you. The Holy Spirit's been moving over the meeting. he says, I want to use you, because actually you're just the right person to bring this. The way that you would do it is just right for the church. I'm going to use you. I want to encourage you with that. Be yourself. We don't have to put on funny voices or airs when we prophesy. We can just be ourselves, and that's quite okay with God. In fact, that's what he wants. And if we're not, it can be a distraction to the church. Because people say, well, he doesn't normally talk like that. Thus saith the Lord. I've heard that before. So be yourself. Of course, this does mean that our contributions can be very varied. So, for example, I've got a friend called Johnny Meller, Who knows Johnny? He's uh, one of the leaders at Church Central, and... uh, He will often prophesy in rhyme and with rhythm. Okay, sometimes he sings it, and other times he raps it. And it's electric when he does it, and it's absolutely amazing. But he's a professional rap artist. So when he does it, he's just being himself. That's part of who he is. Another friend of mine, perhaps I should invite him to come one day, and hopefully he'll do it. Um, but he doesn't do it on request. I've tried that before. (laughs) Another friend of mine, Catherine, is an artist, and God will often speak through her in pictures. Sometimes she'll describe them to us, but very often she'll literally paint pictures. And so she loves to bring her easel into worship and paint whilst people are worshipping. And uh, we've actually invited her to come and share this with us sometime and perhaps do a workshop with us on a Saturday morning or something like that. We've got to just fix the day. But it's just wonderful. And I've seen some of her pictures, and it's amazing what she paints. Usually it's fire and water, you know, but it's all sorts of things as well that God just speaks. So I just want to release you, church, to be yourself and to be creative. Let's be creative. Let's be ourselves. be who we are as we prophesy and as we share things from God. Okay, some more words then. Some words about weighing prophecy. Because Paul wants us to weigh prophecy. He says, and he says, uh, and that means just think about it, make sure that it's biblical, make sure it fits into the spirit of what God's doing. He wants us to weigh prophecy. And he says that this is the job of others. This is the job of others, not you. Prophet. It's the job of others, not you. How many of us have stopped from prophesying because of our own weighing of the word? Come on, be honest. Yeah, I've thought about it long and hard, and I'm quite sure this is not a word from God, because I have unilaterally decided that. And sorry, Holy Spirit, you need to use somebody else. Come on, this is what we're saying. It's not my job to weigh my prophecy. It's the job of others. It's the job of others. More often than not, it's because we have at the bottom of our hearts, well, who am I anyway? Who am I anyway? God should use somebody better than me. Or I've not had a great week this week. We can be ourselves. It's not our job to weigh our own prophecies. It's the job of others, which presumably means the rest of the church and, in particular, those that have responsibility for the rest of the church, the elders. I think that ultimately the elders are responsible for that. And you'll notice that as elders, we we actually take that quite seriously and we're active in doing this. So listening carefully to what's being said is one of the ways we look around Quite often to see how the church is responding as well. We don't just make the decision on our own. We look around and say, well, what's God doing? Does, am I seeing other people getting this? Are people responding to this? Look around and see the response of the church. Sometimes we confer with one another. But we're always, uh, but we will always, after at least a couple of prophetic contributions, look to sum up the essence of what God is saying or even underline particular themes that are coming through. So what was the theme that was coming through this morning? So you, you've got to listen to me because I'm going to ask you questions. What was the theme that was coming through this morning in the worship? Anybody? God's love. God's love. Yeah. God's, God's arms were open to receive us. He was showing His love to us. Brilliant. Anything else? No one's excluded. I thought that, it was just beautiful, wasn't it? It's just like, God says, here I am, I'm here to love you today. I love it when God does that. I'm just here to love you today. Wonderful. So that's part of what we do. It's not a memory test. Uh, Sometimes, oh dear, especially when you've got a baby in your arms and all that kind of thing and you get distracted, you can forget some of the things that you've said and so, if I forget what you've said, or I've not quoted it properly, please forgive me. Uh, I've just forgotten. It's not because you were wrong, or because, you know, you shouldn't have brought it, or anything like that. Some of the conversations I've had sometimes. It's none of those reasons. It's usually just because I've forgotten. Or Steve, particularly. He's even worse than me. It's not a memory test. But, you know, weighing, as well, can be done more form, informally there's more informally others too, informally others. So for example, as Rosie was saying earlier, in our life groups, we can talk about, well, what did that word mean to us? You know, that word that so-and-so brought on Sunday, did that speak to anybody? How did you feel about that? Did it minister to you in particular? Or through prophetic conversations is something we've been learning about, uh Dave Devonish took a group of us leaders aside and in the region and said, right, we're going to have a prophetic conversation. I thought, right, okay, what's expected of me here? And he says, we're just going to talk. What is God saying at the moment? What are some of the themes that are coming through in your church? What do you feel God is saying about New Frontiers? You know, what's it? And, you know within moments, there was just this flow of prophecy, but it didn't sound like prophecy. It was actually just people sharing their hearts. Prophetic contributions, prophetic conversations so easily like that. And we we have a practice of doing that here as well. When we have life groups, life group leaders together or we have any other groups of people together, we'll just say, well, what's God saying? What are you feeling at the moment? Let's have a prophetic conversation so we can do that as well in our life groups or as we come together with one another. Brilliant. Got that. So, some words now about bringing prophecy, and this is the last section, okay? So, I just want to go through this with you, because a few things I want to share. But I think sometimes in our desire to get things right, whatever that means, we can sometimes get a little bit too self-conscious sometimes in the way that we bring prophecy, and I want to take some of the pressure off. The other message that was coming through this morning was God's grace. don't know if you've got that, it's just grace, And I want to bring grace into this too. So, for example, we can get caught in the trap of trying so hard to explain what we think God might be saying that we actually lose what God is saying. (laughs) Have you ever found that? You're getting yourself in right muddle in your head and trying to think, well, what is it and how am I going to explain it? We just need to keep it simple and just say it. It can be short and punchy. It doesn't need to be long and convoluted and clever. Or, especially with pictures, we can spend so much time describing the picture that we end up trying to prophesy the picture rather than the message that God was trying to give us through the picture. Did you follow that? Shall I say that again? We can get ourselves into a bit of a mess trying to prophesy the picture that we've got rather than the message that God was trying to give us through the picture. So when Ginny came last year, she did a training evening with us, and uh, she said these words, and I couldn't quote it accurately, so I phoned her and checked that this is what she said. And this is what she said. The picture is not the prophecy, but the means by which we get the prophecy, or even the way in which God gets our attention. So sometimes we have a picture and we need to dispense of that very quickly or even not even say it at all. We don't need to tell everybody we've had a picture or justify ourselves for the word that we're going to bring. We can actually just say... So, for example, there was a good example a few weeks ago. Um, Vicki Muneer had a picture of a big tree in the middle of the church and that there's these fruits just dropping and the fruits of the Spirit dropping. So the interpretation that she brought, she brought the interpretation and said, God is here amongst us And he's just dropping his gifts amongst his light fruit falling off a tree. And it was just powerful. It was just so clear and easy to understand. It's a good example of the kind of thing. So it's not the picture isn't the prophecy, but the means by which we get the prophecy or even the way in which God gets our attention. So in summary, I think many of us can actually just be a bit more simple. We can simplify what we say, just speak out what we believe God is saying and leave the others... To weigh, to pick up what God is saying or even put together the message. I think that's part of our job as elders as well is to bring it together and say actually there's a stream of things that God is saying and I just want to summarize it for you. Paul tells us, as I was saying earlier, that we see in part and prophesy in part. So why do we try and do the whole job? Why do we try and bring complete prophecies and explain everything and, and you know, we don't need to do that. Bring your part of the meal. Sometimes it's just the bread that I've got, but somebody else has got what's needed to make the whole sandwich. Let's just bring what we've got and trust God to use somebody else to bring the rest. So I want to release you then from the feeling that I've got to bring a great and weighty word every week when actually God is just saying, I love you and I think you're fantastic, which is what he was saying to us this morning. So let me give you a couple of examples. So I'm aware, for example, at the beginning of a meeting, as we come together, very often the Holy Spirit is just speaking words of comfort, reassurance, and love. I'm here to love you today, was how we started this morning, this afternoon. And it can be very short, like, you're so welcome to here. I love you. I'm pleased with you. It can be very simple, just short sentences. And can you imagine the impact of lots of people just coming up to the mic and bringing short uh, encouragements like these as we enter worship? Can you imagine that? It wasn't wonderful a couple of weeks ago when Tom got people to come up and just thank God, little thank you prayers, and we had children coming up and, and all sorts. And it was just great to have a lot of flow of people just coming up and thanking God for different things. And even later on in the worship, God is often encouraging us to come closer, to be healed or to be touched by Him. And, you know, very few contributions need to be any more substantial than this. God God is so much simpler than we are when He ministers to us. So much simpler. Have you ever prayed for anybody and all you've said is more, Lord, and amazing things are happening, and all you're doing is saying more, Lord? God is so much simpler and is able to deal with these kinds of things. So I want to take some of the pressure off you in words of prophecy that you bring. It can be a lot simpler. And actually, I think if we are simpler, it will open the door for more people to bring words and to feel more comfortable to do so because they won't feel intimidated by these clever explanations that we can sometimes force ourselves into. Okay, is that right? to understand? It's not a criticism of anybody. I'm just saying, actually, we can we can be simpler about this. I want to take some of the pressure off so that contributions are more easy to bring. All right, last thing I want to talk about, and again, it's very practical. I just want to talk about, uh, say, some words about the venue that we're in at the moment. I realize that since we've moved to this venue, it's been a bit more difficult for some people to be heard or to hear what's going on. And we've all had to adjust, and it's not been easy with the acoustics of the room, the pews. <laughs> not saying that out loud. Um, but do you know what I realized a little while ago? I think I probably shared it with you before, but I really believe that God is preparing us for a bigger church. And that's what this is all about. See, we can't whisper our contributions anymore. We have to shout them out, which is harder to do. Uh, Or we need to use a mic. And I don't think this is a bad thing. I think it's an exciting thing, and I think it's a visionary thing. I I want us to get the vision for what God's doing. Because if we're going to grow the church, and we want to keep being a body ministry church, we better learn how to do that when we've got a few hundred people here. So we might as well learn now when we've just got a couple of pews that we're going to walk out of. Okay? So, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've brought a new microphone, which is there on the stage. It's usually around about here. And I know this means that you're going to have to move out of your pew, but why should that stop us? The Spirit of God cannot be confined by pews or buildings. And I was having a conversation with somebody about this recently, saying, actually, we also need to just have the maturity to overcome this. Just need to be mature. We've been with God long enough now to not let silly things like pews affect us. Uh, Now, this microphone, (coughs) I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, obviously, I get Trevor up here and uh, correcting me, but it's one of those special kinds of microphones that you don't need to stand right up next to you can actually stand like a couple of feet back from it so it means that you can literally just come up speak and it will pick you up so don't worry about where you're standing or what height you are or adjusting it or anything like that you can just come up and use it very easily um... It needs to stay at the front because I think it's right that we monitor the use of it, but everyone's welcome to use it, and it's good to see some of you have already started to do that. And you'll also notice that it's facing backwards towards you, not that way. So when you use the mic, you've got your back to the congregation. You're not facing the congregation. And we've done that deliberately. Um... To make it easier, really, and uh, also because we don't, in times of worship, we don't want people stopping the meeting to address the congregation. You feel under that kind of pressure when the microphone is facing the congregation. You feel like, I better just sort of introduce myself tell them how I got to church this morning, what time I woke up, make everybody laugh, and then I feel better. We don't want to do that. We want people to just be able to come up, bring their contributions, and then go back and sit down again. Or even shout out if you've got a loud voice, that's absolutely fine. But we don't want people stopping and starting the flow of the worship. If you do feel that you need to bring a contribution that is more kind of addressing the congregation, then it's probably best uh, to, that you bring that right at the end of the worship, And or that you speak to Steve or I first, and we'll try and find the right time to fit it in. We're not against that. We just want to help you to bring it so the church can respond to it in the best way. Okay? Very practical stuff today. Hey, so summing up, this is what we're going for, Jubilee. Orderly spontaneity, a feast of spiritual gifts as we come together. Orderly tongues with powerful and confident interpretations, lots of prophesying in beautiful simplicity. We want to give lots of room for hearing God in our meetings. And I want to close with Paul's words at the end of the chapter. It goes like this, 39 and 40. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Great. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions about any of that, if you want to clarify anything, please do feel to speak, free to speak to me. Steve and I work together on this, so he's also able to answer any questions as well. But overriding thing, we want to just people to feel free uh to contribute and to enjoy that contribution to stimulate our worship. Okay?